This is the Lead Speakers Podcast with Scott Lloyd. In this podcast, you'll hear engaging conversations with everyday leaders and discover their motivations, desires, and passions. Most importantly, hear practical applications and advice for becoming the leader that you've always wanted to be. Welcome to Lead Speakers. Thomas Jefferson once observed, walking is the best possible exercise. Habituate yourself to walking very far. These days, walking very far for me involves some physical challenges I would have never before imagined. It's an unusually warm Monday afternoon in February, and I'm in a box. A box is CrossFit lingo for a no-frills gym with just enough equipment to cause you several days of sore muscles. But the box commands commitment. A commitment to a lifestyle of investment in the unrenewable resources of our bodies. My CrossFit peeps always refer to me and other participants as athletes. When they talk about me in this way, I'm always tempted to look behind me, wondering if an actual athlete has walked into the room. In this way, CrossFit is a prophetic culture, calling things that are not as though they were. Now several months in, I still can't manage to do half of what my gym mates can do, but at least three times a week, and sometimes more, I check my ego at the door and I try to keep up for the hour. Choose something that you would consider to be warm-up weight. In six minutes, so doing some general movement, but also drilling the movement pattern. And on this Monday afternoon in February, I sit across from one of my CrossFit coaches as she recounts her inspirational journey. Her name is Jaree Milligan. The fact that I'm passionate about health and fitness would really come as a surprise to anybody that knew me in my 20s and 30s. Um, even people who knew me younger than that, I, I was never passionate about um, health or fitness. I mean, my lunch was like a, a Lunchable and a Coca-Cola all through high school, so nobody would be... Um, would believe where I am you know, now as far as my health and fitness goes. But I um, have a very athletic daughter. She is now 21 and runs track at Wichita State. And she is extremely athletic. She did dance competitions and competed with track from a very young age. And I was morbidly obese. I um, spent my the late part of my 20s and all of my 30s um, weighing over 200 pounds uh the heaviest i got was 265 um which was that's hard to believe (laughs) looking at you right now so how did that happen um so i part of it was i I had become motivated to lose weight um because jalen was so athletic my daughter um and so i was kind of tired of people looking at me like oh you're her mom you're her mom like like not putting me together with her at track meets and dance competitions and um and i i started walking with her dance teacher and um her dance teacher at Dreamcatchers and I would go, we'd drop our kids off at school in the morning and then we would go for a walk. She would alternate walking and jogging and I would just walked. And I remember telling her that I was doing, I wanted to lose a whole bunch of weight and become a fitness coach and, you know, and like use my, the fact that I spent all this time fat, um, I use that as motivation for people. And I, she's the only person I ever said that to, and the only time I ever vocalized it was one day when we were walking through the cemetery um, in Chandler, and I told her that. And I couldn't believe that I had said it out loud because it seemed so improbable. And I, um, 
fell off the good nutrition and health wagon and I quit walking and I gained even more weight and that um, that little pipe dream seemed further and further away but then one day I kind of got it all together. I quit trying to do it quickly. I quit trying to do some crash or fad and I just changed my whole life. Um, I enlisted the help of my husband and my daughter. I sat them down and told them how important it was to me and what I wanted to do and um, and they stepped up in support, which I needed and it was something I'd never had before. I'd always tried to do it on my own, kind of in secret, like I was just gonna pop out one day and be you know, this new person and it doesn't, you're not successful that way. So I enlisted the help of people to help me. I mean, I enlisted the help of those around me and I uh, changed everything. So that was that was 2012? October 11th of 2012. Okay, and I remember you telling me a story about you climbing the stairs. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk a little bit about sure. that? So the the proverbial straw, um, you know, in the as far as the straw that broke the camel's back, the proverbial straw is I walked up the stairs in my house, and my husband was doing something with the plumbing in the bathroom. The bathroom's at the top of our stairs, and I, I walked up the stairs of the house, um, and I was out of breath when I got to the top of the stairs. And he... So I went to say something to him and I had to catch my breath before I could talk to him. And he said, oh, were you working out? And I internally was like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of breath just from walking up the flight of stairs in my house. Like I, and I had literally kind of stopped about halfway up and, you know, gathered myself and then marched up the rest of the way. And I was so out of breath that he thought I had been exercising. And that was, that was a aha moment for me. That that was really the trigger. So I took a shower and took pictures of myself. Um, no, um, you know, flattering angle, no flattering, you know, clothing. I just absolutely um, just put a towel on my head and took pictures uh, front, sideways, back, and saved those in a password protected folder <laughs> on my phone and um, decided that if I wanted to, you know, skip a day of working out or, you know, eat a pizza or, you know, fall off my good nutrition wagon, then I had to look at those pictures first and say, yeah, is this, is this where you want to be? And so um, anyway, that was the, that was kind of the day everything changed. Okay. So that was October of 2012 yes. and you weighed how much? 265 pounds. I got on the scales that day. And it was 265 pounds. And and just for context, how tall are you? Uh, I'm five foot four, so I looked like a bowling ball. I I'm five foot four. It's not a lot of height to carry 265 pounds. I was very round. Okay, so we'll we'll get in between. Mm -hmm. But right now, as of today, do you mind sharing oh, with folks uh, where I you're at? I stepped on the scale. As a matter of fact, whenever that's why I ran to the bathroom and you got here because I, I anticipated that question. Um, I am. 4.9 pounds heavier than I normally am. I just got over a broken hand, but I'm 159.4. That's amazing. So, so how did you get there? Yep. You talked about changing your entire lifestyle. Everything. And I anticipate that maybe there's some people that would say, well, that's great for you, but mm -hmm. it, it won't work for me. How would you answer okay. those questions? So I want to address that question first. Okay. Um, before I even say what worked for me, um, I want to lay the groundwork there is that science says it will. Science says that if you eat in a calorie deficit and you exercise, that you'll lose weight. Now, there are a few exceptions for people who have some metabolic issues, but those are really much more rare than you think. Um, and a lot of people who have metabolic issues 
or um, diabetes or some other things that would affect their ability to lose weight are still going to likely lose weight through um, diet and exercise. And so I, um, I, people ask me all the time what I think about this diet and that diet and this type of eating and that type of eating. And I, it's very simple. Um, if you are in a calorie deficit and you're working out and lifting weights, then you're going to become fitter. And health is a step on the way to fitness. So a lot of people think they get fit to get healthy, but really in the process of getting fit, you get healthy. Healthy is, um, on that, on that path. So, um, so the first thing I did was I started a ease into 5k program, which is an app on my phone. It was a free app on my phone. It was every other day. It took 30 minutes and I committed to do that every other day for 30 minutes, regardless of the weather or my schedule or anything else. I, I told my family that I had no excuses. Like that became my mantra was no excuses. So if it's pouring down rain and lightning, I found a building and I walked in circles and jogged in circles and did, you know, inside the building um, in order to meet the requirement for that, um, that day's workout. And so I didn't accept any excuses. Uh, and that kind of has been my, the driving force behind all of my fitness success since then is that I just don't, I mean, I try on a lot of excuses and I, I mean, I still have a mental battle yeah, every day. The dialogue in my head is really very comical in how much I argue with myself and have to convince myself to do things. But, um, I, I just don't accept any excuses and, um, you know, every once in a while I fail and I fall off the wagon and, um, what used to happen is I would do that and I would let it snowball, um, and become a bigger problem. So I'd be like, well, I just ruined my diet, so now I'm gonna, you know, eat the rest of this pizza and or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, so I, I started getting control. Like if I made a mistake, I forgave myself for that mistake, and I um, got right back on it. So there are lots of people that are our age. We won't disclose our age, <laughs> but we'll we'll say we're mid to late forties. And <laughs> and there are people who say, well, it's too late. How would you respond to them? So I was. 39 when I started and I, um, and I kind of had accepted at 39, maybe at 38, I'd kind of accepted, well, this is who I am. I mean, I'm, this is, I'm going to be this, you know, this person. And then for whatever reason at 39, I was like, no, I'm not, I do not want to go into my forties with this body. But also if I'm going into my forties, this unhealthy, then there's a chance I'm not going into my fifties or not going into my sixties. And I, there's so much more I wanted to do, um, and, and be and accomplish that I didn't, I couldn't accept that, you know, the decisions I was making as far as my health and fitness went were going to shorten the period of time that I had to accomplish those things. And I, there were all these things I wanted to do with Jalen. Like she would, we'd go, she's an only child. And so she'd be like, uh, let you know, get on the trampoline with me. And I'd be like, oh no, you know, maybe when I lose some weight or, you know, we went to a zip line one time in Branson and we're standing in line and I noticed the sign um, that had the weight limit on it and I exceeded the weight limit. Well, I was too embarrassed to tell her that I exceeded the weight limit. And so I pretended to get sick. Um, I started talking about my stomach was upset and I wasn't going to be able to, I don't know if I should do this and man, I really don't feel well. And so I ended up sitting in the car for four hours while my husband and daughter did this amazing zipline experience. And I just thought, wow, is that how I want to spend, you know, am I accepting that I'm going to have to do that? I'm gonna have to make excuses and bow out of things for another decade or 
worse, you know? So anyway, uh, yeah, so it's not too late. Uh, the, it adds, I, I'm, I have more energy now than I did in my 30s, in any point in my 30s. Um, I do more now than I did at any point in my 30s. And I am at the risk of sounding overconfident. There are times that I am out doing some 30 year, you know, some, some 30 year olds. And so it's not too late. Um, I have a friend of mine who's in her fifties that we do competitions, fitness competitions together as, um, you know, partners and teammates. And, um, she is, man, she is the legit athlete. Like she is, and she didn't start this until she was in her forties. And we joke about, imagine how great we'd be if we'd started this young, but, um, but we didn't. And, um, I see people all the time that are changing their lives in their forties and fifties. So it's not too late. It's never too late. What are some of the biggest excuses that you hear, uh, given by people, uh, who refuse to focus on their health and how do you answer them? So, the number one biggest excuse is I don't have time. Um, so that is an excuse. That is not a reason. That is absolutely an excuse. Um, I work between 60 and 70 hours a week, um, and I still find time to work out. And all of my time is not at the gym. I do coach, you know, um, 20 hours or so a week, but I also, that means I'm working 40 or 50 hours somewhere else. And, um, a lot of that is spent in an office, um, or behind a computer. And so I, um, I did a challenge one time where I did a hundred burpees every single day before breakfast. And so the whole before breakfast part was key because if I didn't have that there, then I'd put it off. And the next thing you know, it's time to go to bed and I'm like, eh. And so I did it before breakfast and that takes six minutes. And, um, you, I don't think there's anybody out there who can actually legitimately say that they don't, they couldn't carve out six minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, look at the, open up the app on your phone that shows you how much screen time that you spent today or this week. And imagine if you had spent that time, you know, jogging or rowing or lifting weights or any number of things that you could do fitness wise. Um, so the number one excuse I hear that is absolutely an excuse is I don't have time. You can make time. It's a, it's just a matter of priorities. Um, you can do it with kids. You run with your kids. You play with your kids. You, um, no matter what your job is, you, you can find a way to squeeze in a workout. Um, maybe you're not squeezing in two hour lifting sessions, um, but you can squeeze in a workout. And so that's the number one excuse. The number, the second excuse I hear from a lot of people is that they can't afford it. So whether they're talking about a gym membership or nutrition, um, they, I hear people all the time say they can't afford to eat healthy, that eating healthy is expensive or they can't afford a gym membership. But, um, but I will say, if you look at your, what you do spend your money on, I bet you could probably find a few extra dollars. Um, and it's totally worth it. I, um, train people who have gotten completely off of medications, medications they spent upwards of $60 on or more. I mean, one of the guys I train has like $300 worth of medication. He takes a month, but, um, you know, the, what you save in better health by having better health, um, is worth it. Um, also you don't have to go, on the nutrition side. You don't have to go buy all fresh produce and um, go find a farm and buy a fresh chicken or a turkey. I, there, you, a lot of times you may read about um, what, how, what healthy eating is like and you think that that's just not possible for me. But frozen vegetables are still vegetables and um, canned vegetables, if you are looking at the sodium content, can still be 
you know, if you look at lower sodium content can still be healthy. I mean, there's a lot of decisions that you can make that are more economical and you can, um, you know, shop sales and you can, you can make decisions that, that make it affordable. Uh, when we, when we started eating healthy in my household, we did not have a lot of expendable income. And so my workouts, I didn't have a gym membership. I did that ease into 5k program with a free app on my phone and it cost me zero dollars to do that and um and my food budget did not go up by eating healthy if anything it went down because we didn't we didn't eat out as much and we didn't ever eat fast food notice how many positive words jerry uses to describe her experiences notice how she speaks about herself now and how she speaks to herself on a daily basis this is very important for leaders to understand. How we speak about ourselves and to ourselves is so important. Jerry gives me a tour around the gym. From um, boxes that we used for um, stepping, jumping, sitting, to resistance bands, dumbbells, kettlebells, weighted um, medicine balls, kettlebells, and of course barbells and weights. We also have bikes and rowers um, and uh, sandbags and sleds for sled pushes. So um, there's a variety of equipment that we use to um, help people find. So CrossFit or, um, is something I, if somebody would, I remember watching the CrossFit games on TV um, before I was fit and thinking how amazing it was and how that was, I would never do that. Like I, I might take an aerobics class, I might, you know, jog a little bit, but I'm never, I'm never gonna be able to do that. I had never touched a barbell, I'd never done any kind of gymnastics movements. And so I remember watching it on TV and thinking that those people were amazing and I would never do that. And then Clint Yates, who owns, um, is one of the owners of CrossFit SDG and I were in a golf tournament and he told me that he was um, thinking about opening a CrossFit gym and that that's something I should try. I um, was, mm, I don't know where I was in my weight loss journey at that point. I'd probably lost 70-ish pounds at that point. So most of that had come through um, boot camp style workouts and um, running and I had lost weight but I wasn't wasn't strong, I wasn't really fit, I had just lost weight. And so he was telling me he thought I should try that. And then um, later that day, same golf tournament, another guy told me he was thinking about opening a CrossFit gym and that that was something I should try. And I was like, that's two people in one day that have mentioned CrossFit, um, I wonder about this. And so anyway, one of them did open a gym and I started going to classes there and um, then um, got a punch card for a CrossFit gym in Tulsa because my daughter did track training in Tulsa. And so I got a punch card to start going to classes in Tulsa and I was hooked. Even though I'd never touched a barbell before um, or done any sort of gymnastics, I was absolutely hooked. It was something different every time I went in and my ADD loved that. Like I, um, I did not get bored. I had tried everything. I had tried, you know, kickboxing and step aerobics and um, swimming and running and boot camp and hip-hop abs or whatever the video was that you know I downloaded on YouTube and I tried everything and I didn't stick with anything and I was absolutely hooked on CrossFit because it was something different every time um, and there were things I was doing in real life that'd be like oh my gosh I can do this now because of what I did in the gym and so it was it was it's because it's based in functional movement 
I immediately saw an improvement in my real life. Like I saw real life applications for the things that I was doing in the gym. And so um, it was, it, if you go back through my social media, you can kind of see the, the evolution of that. Like me carrying hurdles and ice chests and stuff, you know, the track meets and um, carrying all the groceries in on one trip and, you know, little minor real life victories that were fed by the time I was spending in the gym. So, um, so that's the, probably what I like most about CrossFit is that it is very functional. Like it improves your real life. Um, and like I said, it was something I could do immediately, even though I had no experience at all. And now as a coach, I definitely see that. I have um, elite athletes, um, uh, Division One college athletes, junior college athletes, and then I have a guy who literally could not walk into the gym on his own on his very first day. Like he could not, he had to hold on to the handrail to get into the gym and he had to, um, he had to take a break. He had to catch his breath before he could talk to me, um, which kind of reminded me at the top of the stairs that day. And so, um, anyway, it uh, it's anybody can do it. Like I always, I like to use the hashtag fitness is for everyone. And I really believe that CrossFit is the type of workout that can be scaled to absolutely any fitness level. And I love it when people think it can't, it's not something that can be scaled for them. It's not something that would work for them. I love being able to prove that it is. Um, something that will work for them. Yeah, and that's something that I've discovered. I'm relatively new to CrossFit, and uh, like you, I, th I thought, wow, this is this is really challenging. But at the same time, I really enjoyed it because it's like adult PE class. Yes. yes Every day is. is something different. It is like an adult PE. I so that that's something I should have said earlier. I um, so we've referred to it as adult PE several times, and I somebody asked me very early, why do you like it so like. Like you're hooked on it because I, I mean, I was, every post was about CrossFit and, you know, there's a, there's memes out there about how, how do you know someone does CrossFit is because they're not going to stop talking about CrossFit, but it's, it makes you feel like an athlete. It makes you feel like it reminded me of like playing high school sports. Like it reminded me of that pregame, like before the workout, I'd be all excited. Like I was before a basketball game in high school. And afterwards I had that sense of accomplishment that I got after a basketball game or a softball game. And so, um, and it, it is like an adult PE class. There's, you know, people are, there's a coach and there's people, you know, laughing and having a good time and you've got your buddy and you've got a little bit of competition maybe between you two or between you and somebody who doesn't even know that you're chasing them down. And it's a little, um, it's a little, yeah, it's a lot like adult PE. So nutrition is the biggest piece of, um, this health and fitness puzzle. And, um, so it's not something that can be neglected. I, the younger you are, the easier it is to neglect the nutrition part of it and get by, um, by just training a whole lot. But the older you get, certainly the more important it is. And so if you can, if you can have good nutrition when you're younger, then it becomes less of a struggle when you're older. And then you avoid a lot of health problems altogether. I always say, you know, abs are made in the kitchen and you cannot out-train a poor diet. And I, I totally mean that. When you are eating well, you feel better and you get more out of your workouts, you recover faster. And so um, so some of the things to think about. Um, if you don't know where to start and you're, you know your nutrition is bad, then the best thing to do is take a period of say three days. This is always the first advice I give somebody who's like, I don't know where to start. So take three days and write down absolutely every single thing you consume. Everything you consume. You could use your phone for that. I'm a, I'm old school, you know, we mentioned I'm, we're in our mid to late 40s. So I'm old school in that I like to write things down. Um, it's more intentional to me. It's more, I commit things to memory better. Um, it's, um, it's, a pro, it's, it's sort of a, there's a process there for me. But 
but a lot of people can do it on their phone. So log in some manner, digitally or on paper, um, every single thing that you consume. Whether it's something that you eat or drink, if you take a french fry out of your kid's happy meal and pop it into your mouth, you have to write that french fry down. So for three days, write down absolutely everything that you can that you consume. And then take a good, realistic, no rose-colored glasses, I always say it's a no BS assessment of where you are. That three days should give you a pretty good idea. And if there were some times that you didn't eat something because you knew you were gonna have to write it down, you know, kind of make a note of that mentally that that happened and then eliminate something. So you've got this three day snapshot of what you consume. Look at something on there that you know you shouldn't eat, that you know is not a healthy decision and eliminate it from your diet and um, eliminate it for, I mean, focus on eliminating that thing for a week and then substitute something that you know you should be eating. So for me, I didn't eat a lot of vegetables. Um, I'm just, I'm not a fan. I don't, I still don't like them. Um, people are like, yeah, but I don't like celery. I say, me neither. I don't like celery at all, but I eat it because it's good for me and I'm supposed to. And so um, eating is not about, um, eating is you fuel for your body. And so once you start looking at it as a way to fuel your body and fuel your workouts and recover from your workouts, then you make better decisions um, that are based on what your body needs rather than just on what you want. And once you stop looking at it as anything other than fuel, you don't use food as reward, don't use food as a celebration, don't use food as an event, um, for the most part, then um, once you quit needing food to be exciting, it helps you get a handle on it. But the best way to start that, log everything you eat for about three days, and then eliminate something, and then uh, eliminate something else, and then eliminate something else, and then you know add in things that you know you're supposed to eat. And um, so like for me, I completely eliminated um, soda, that was the first thing to go and then it was chips and then it was you know i i'd already at that point eliminated fast food and some things like that but but i um i remember one time driving home from a track meet and my daughter got arby's and so mean to eat arby's in the car with me but we were on our way home from a track meet we got arby's and i reached over and grabbed a curly fry out of her um her little fry box and I reach over and grab it and I remember I got it almost to my mouth my mouth was watering just thinking about it I got it almost to my mouth and she smacked that fry out of my hand it flew across the car and hit the windshield and I went and laid it on the dash and I remember looking at that fry and thinking this child has lost her mind I was gonna pull that car over and I snapped my head over at her and I said Jalen and she goes you told me to you told me not to let you eat french fries and she looked terrified because I'm sure I was wild-eyed. She looked terrified, and I and she's like, you told me to, you told me to, you said help you. You said you weren't supposed to eat french fries. And I was like, you're absolutely right. I am not supposed to eat french fries, thank you. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder how much of that I do. How much, how much do I grab and eat and not even think about? It? Here I am thinking I eat so healthy. Well, I probably did that every single time she got fast food. I didn't buy getting fast food for myself because I wasn't eating fast food. But I'd reach over and have her you know, a couple of her fries, or if she didn't eat something out of her meal, then I ate it or finished it or had a drink of her lemonade or a drink of her milkshake. Or, and so once you start writing that stuff down and logging all of that, it becomes really evident that you can consume a whole lot of accidental calories. I remember looking one day at 850 accidental calories. Like I had accidentally consumed 850 calories. That's more than a meal. And that was just in things like, you know, a handful of goldfish here, a handful of Cheez-Its there. So anyway, yeah. Very good information. Um, so in your coaching, when you're dealing with someone, 
is there a place that you start with everyone and say this one thing you can do that you'll notice an immediate uh, difference? It, does that exist or is it a process and is it different for everyone? So, may, okay, so that may be the case for some coaches and probably that's something maybe I should think about and consider. I do not have one standard thing because everyone starts in such a different place. Like I literally have people who, who can barely walk on their own. And then I have, you know, people who are elite athletes that are, you know, and are college athletes. And so, no, not, I don't have one thing that I fix for everybody right off the bat or change, but I do try when I get somebody new to really watch their quality of movement. And I try to give them one thing to focus on individualized for them. And one of the biggest things I probably prescribe to people for lack of a better word, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist, but we, we do use the term prescribed in um, fitness um, is squats and squat therapy. So many people think they can't squat or shouldn't squat because they've got knee issues or hip issues or whatever. And if you're doing it right, it doesn't hurt your knees. And most people are not squatting right. In my experience, most people are not squatting right. And so a lot of times just being able to fix somebody's squat and have them go, oh, that doesn't hurt. Or, oh, that's not how I um, have ever done it, but that feels completely different. A lot of times that opens their mind and opens the door up to a whole realm of possibilities that they didn't know they had because they'd already decided they couldn't. And that was the case for me. I'd had three new surgeries before I ever got to CrossFit. And I thought, well, I'm never going to squat. I'm certainly never going to squat heavy. And now I squat almost 300 pounds and I squat all the time. And I, um, and I don't have any knee problems because now I'm squatting right because I've been coached on how to do it. And so I do really focus on squats, um, squats and deadlifts um, for most people because those are super functional movements. You squat down on a toilet or, you know, in, in a chair and in your car um, and you have to get up out of a squat to get off of all of those things. And so it's super functional. It changes your life if you're doing it right. And deadlifts, I mean, everybody's got to pick stuff up off the ground. So um, usually I focus on those two things really early with new athletes because they'll feel the difference in real life, but also those are using the biggest muscles in their body. Um, so the little secret is that that triggers a neuroendocrine response. Um, the bigger muscles trigger a bigger neuroendocrine response, which means it's going to help them control their blood sugar. It's going to help them feel better. It's going to rev up their metabolism. They're going to feel once they leave here, they're going to feel the effects of the workout for a lot longer period of time. Um, also, the bigger muscles get more blood flow, so maybe they don't get as sore as if I, you know, just worked on, you know, some smaller muscles. And so the recovery period, they get that soreness, but then they recover faster. So, so squats and deadlifts are kind of where I focus a lot of energy in new people. And also, that's, those are foundational movements. So you can build a whole lot of other things on top of that if those things are good. In every aspect of life, attitude is important. Attitude is especially important for leaders and for those that desire to lead themselves. I conclude by asking Jeree about the importance of attitude when it comes to fitness. So I mentioned earlier that one of the things that I did differently when I was successful. So one of the things that I, the approach I took, I had yo-yoed for you. I should, I should back up. I had yo-yoed for years. I had had a lot of, when I lost weight, it was not my first attempt at losing weight. I had lost 
20 or 30 pounds and then I'd gain it and more back and then I'd lose some more weight and I'd gain it and more back. And so I had tried just about everything, but I had never approached it with the right attitude. I had always thought I was kind of going to do it in secret. And then I was just going to be like, bam, look, new me. And you know, wow, everybody. And, um, I, and I wanted to do it quickly. And I had always had a deadline. We were going to the beach or we were going on a trip or we were going to, you know, whatever, every high school reunion, there was some, you know, there was something I was trying to do it for rather than just change my life so that I had a better, healthier, more active life. And so when my attitude changed to, I need to change my life instead of I need to lose weight. Um, when my attitude changed to I need to, I need to change my life, and I need help in doing that, and so I need to tell my friends and family that this is what I'm doing, so that they are not enablers for my bad habits, so they're helping me make good decisions, um, and adopting that whole no excuses, you know, sort of attitude about it. Um, all of those things deal with my attitude. And once all of those things, once I focused my energy on that and I, it was amazing to me what I was able to achieve. And so that really came down to having the right attitude about it. Now that my fitness journey is kind of a little different because now I'm competing with fitness. I have found that I'm, I've been doing a lot of work on my on what goes on inside my head. I, I mentioned earlier that there's a, a whole you know dialogue going on in my head basically all the time. And, um, and I lately have been really focused on it being positive. Um, that I say things to myself inside my head that I would never as a coach say to an athlete. And so I've started trying to talk to myself more like I talk to my athletes and the people you know that come to my classes rather than the way I have traditionally talked to myself. So instead of you know instead of complaining about a run in my head and talking about you know thinking in my head about how miserable it is, I'm like, you know, wow, you're doing this so much faster than you did last time we did this workout. Or if you'll if you can just do this 10 seconds faster, then we can put this in the W column today or, you know, I, something like I, I try really to focus on feeding myself some some positive stuff just like I do with athletes because I see what a difference it makes for them. And so um, controlling the dialogue in your head um, and having the right attitude about yourself and your journey um, is really, really important and um, really your success hinges on having the right attitude. Because if you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you're not positive about it and you're not willing to kind of just roll with life, if you get in a hurry, if you get cranky about it, then, and if you focus on the things that you can't have and can't do, then, then those are the things that you become obsessed with instead of focusing on the things you can have and the things you can do. And so that, that sort of, that's, that aspect of your attitude is really important too. Doree says that in hindsight, God has prepared her for this season of life. Through the weight gain, the struggles, the stress, through all of it, several people have found inspiration in her story. She has had people come train with her specifically because they know that she has been where they are now and that she really understands. From barely being able to walk up her own stairs, and being too heavy to zip line with her family, to now standing atop the podium at the fitness in Oklahoma CrossFit competition and qualifying for Wadapalooza in Miami and being in the top 5% of the world in the CrossFit Open. That, Jerry says, 
has to be God's work. To God be the glory. So in what ways are you challenged? What obstacles do you need to overcome? I hope that you'll take inspiration from Jeree's story and become the leader that everyone wants to hear. This has been the Lead Speakers Podcast with Scott Lloyd. For more information, check out scottlloyd.com and share this content with a leader in your life today. Lead Speakers. Lead. Speak. Persuade.